Hey, y'all. I'm Mary Payne Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Pain in the Pod. Today, I have Nina instead with me. Nina is the host of not one, but two podcasts. She has the ongoing podcast, Already Gone, and the limited run podcast, Don't Talk with Strangers. Already Gone talks weekly about the missing, the murdered, and the lost. Don't Talk to Strangers focuses on the Oakland County child murders that took place around the Detroit suburbs in 76 and 77. Four of these murders appear to be the work of an unidentified serial killer known as the Oakland County Child Killer. Nina is obviously a very busy woman, and so I'm thrilled that she joined me today. Thank you, Nina, for joining me. I'm thrilled to be here, Mary Payne. Thank you for having me. I, I accidentally said don't talk with strangers, but it's don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. to strangers. Don't talk to or with strangers. Correct. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not a good idea. Okay. So tell me about your background and how you started podcasting in the first place. So my background really doesn't have anything to do with podcasting. I have a journalism degree, technically a technical writing degree, a history degree, and I worked as a teacher for about a decade. My daughter, who is now a teenager, became um, she became sick. She developed very severe anxiety, um, agoraphobia, mm-hmm. and she couldn't leave the house. So I was stuck home with this poor kid who was struggling, and I was listening to podcasts to sort of keep my own brain active because I had to give up work, and I was stuck at home a lot because she wouldn't leave the house and she was little. Um, I could not leave her. So I started listening to podcasts sort of as a coping mechanism and to keep my brain active. And after a few months of that, I was like, you know what? I could totally do this. (laughs) And I talked with my husband about it, and he was like, yeah, you should do this. And we started putting things together, and that's where Already Gone started. I see. Okay. Well, have you ever been a voiceover artist? Because your voice is very soothing. Thank you. No, I have not done any voiceover work, although I would like to. I definitely think you should. Your voice is very calming. Um, Now, so you said you had a background in journalism and writing and history. So... What has drawn you to these um, unsolved cases like the ones that you cover? So Already Gone is a different uh, story each podcast, but what what draws you to these stories? So when I started podcasting, I've always been interested in crime and in true crime. And part of that actually ties into the Don't Talk to Strangers podcast, because when I was very small, I lived in South Oakland County. And the Oakland County child killer was literally killing children in my neighborhood. Mm. One of the victims was taken from just a few blocks from where I was living at the time. And I remember the fear. I remember the panic. um, And that always stuck with me. And then as I got older, I sort of kept an eye out for that case because I knew it hadn't been solved. Right. Okay. And so... You started Already Gone. Now, how long have you been doing Already Gone? It's been... Three years. Three, I was about uh, to say, definitely over month. two. Yeah. Yeah. Three years in April. Wow. Um, that's... You know, what's so interesting about that is that you've been doing it for so long, but you never run out of cases, you know? No. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, sadly. Yeah. So it drew you in because of the Oakland County child killer. And I did listen to that whole podcast and... It is so interesting to hear your perspective on it growing up at that time and it being so seared in your memory as a child. I can imagine at that time, it was a scary time for 
you could imagine for your parents to to let absolutely the, because I mean I grew up at that in that era as well and you know you went outside and didn't see your parents until you know seven eight o'clock whenever you decided yeah. to come in streetlights are on you better be home yeah yeah That's so how- that that was a I bet that was a really scary time in your neighborhood it, it was and my father was a uh, an attorney as I was growing up, and he became a criminal defense attorney. So he would talk with me about cases or about things that were in the news, and I was always interested in the news. So I'd be reading in the paper. And then when I decided to do the podcast, I would think about cases and be like, oh, I remember when that happened. And I would go and look it up, and I would find out that what I recalled about a case, you know, the little bit that stuck with me from reading a news story or seeing a bit on the 6 o'clock news, there was so much more to it. And I knew, yeah, if I'm remembering these cases, other people are as well. And I just really enjoy going back into things that happened in my community where I've been to the location where it happened, or I know that intersection, or maybe the victim or the perpetrator is a friend of a friend. That really speaks to me as a creator. Do you ever scare yourself? Because I scare myself all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm asking. No, I I have not been frightened by any of the cases. I have been, you know, overwhelmingly sad about some of the cases because some of the situations that I discuss on the podcast are just they'll break your heart. Um, yes. but not frightened. Yes. You know, it's it's interesting that you said that about the things that you hear growing up because when you grow up and it sounds like in your case it was a little different that your dad was very uh sharing of these things with you probably because of his background but I grew up in um Mississippi and y- you know we was you would catch something on the news but I didn't think too much more about it and then you hear about it later as an adult and you think oh my gosh that was really something terrible but it just didn't register to me because I was eight or seven. And I'll give you a good example. I was at a friend's house the other night and this uh, guy was there and he's from my hometown in Mississippi. And we were just chatting and he said, oh, and you remember this you know, woman that we knew, someone's mother, and she was murdered by her boyfriend. And I said, right. They were playing tennis at, and I named it the tennis club. And he came up and, and shot her from the bushes. And he said, no, 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 they weren't playing there. Uh, they were playing this other place, and he wasn't behind the bushes. He came up and point blank shot her in the head on the tennis court in front of everyone. Oh. And I said, "Oh!" And then he told me these other details about the 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 boyfriend, the guy she was having an affair with, had been a um, swim uh, like a, a lifeguard at the pool, and was you know twenty years younger, and that he had. Uh, put out all these love letters that the two of them had written back and forth and sent them around town to people and all these details that I didn't know that now as an adult, you know, as, as someone who follows a lot of true crime, it was these details that, you know, as a little kid, your parents tried to hide from you, I guess. Yes. Or, or you're not, your brain's not, you know, you know, fully functioned enough to get it. But my daughter, I have a teenage daughter as well. She's 16 and she's very into true crime like I am. So probably I'm scarring her in some way, but I'm not. <laughs> but, but you know, the other day she's like, oh, I want to read this book about Jeffrey Dahmer. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> like That's probably <laughs> bad parenting. <laughs> Mother of the year. It's that's, okay. That's right. But I'm thinking, well, you know, at least she'll be on the lookout. Um, so you say that the ones that are close to home mean the most. So I, you did one recently that I listened to that was 
was it West Virginia? And it, you say yes. it, it was your father's hometown. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it was. And that one meant something to you, I guess, because you knew the streets and you knew the town. When I started reading about her case, I just had this vision of this young woman who's preparing to get married and she's so happy. And I just had this vision of her at the A&P and my grandmother being in the next aisle over. Yeah, right. Because it's that kind of small town. Oh, absolutely. They, you know, where she was killed happened less than a mile or about a mile from my grandparents' house. And then I sort of imagined my grandparents reading about her murder over their morning coffee. Right. Yeah, and of course. It it made it much um, much easier for me to tell her story because I became sort of invested in it. And because you could picture all the scenarios in yes. your mind. Exactly. Right. Yes. Now, since you've started Already Gone, do you know of any tips or anything that's come in on any of these cases that maybe have gotten further along? There have been two cases that I can speak to. One is the Kimberly King case, and she was a little girl who disappeared back in 1979. And they thought that she could be a victim of the Oakland County child killer, which I'm talking about and don't talk to strangers. And I connected with her sisters and I covered her case. And immediately following my coverage of it, the Warren police, who are the investigating agency, they reopened the investigation. They went back through everything. You know, they really went, you know what, we need to take another look at this and see what happened to Kim. And that was extremely gratifying. Her family specifically mentioned me during a press conference wow. that I helped get the case reopened and reexamined and back out in the public eye. And that that meant the world to me. Being able to bring, hopefully, bring Kim home someday would just be, I'm not sure there's words for that. I would just be amazed. Wow. Well, that yeah. had to be super moving for you and as well as the family, especially because it's just your hometown right there. Yeah, absolutely. And then another case was an older case from the 80s, and I'm not going to say which one because it's it's an open investigation, but the um, law enforcement agency in charge of it actually requested that I come in for an interview because I have more information on the case than they do because the file's so old. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. See, that's – yeah, that's that, – I mean, that's exciting maybe is the wrong word, but it's uh, – uplifting or exciting or, or to know that you're doing a you know a little part to help. Yes. Yeah, I'm not just telling stories. Yeah. Um okay, on that note we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Okay, we're back. And so... When we left off, we're talking about one of the cases that was presumed to be part of the Oakland County child killer. So there was nine killings. So this is, let's just go into your next podcast. Don't sure. talk to strangers. So there was nine children that were killed in a in about a year and a half, right? About 14 months. Yes. Yeah. Nine child murders. And then, but only four or is it five that they think were attributed to this one serial killer? 
four children are uh, thought to be the work of the Oakland County child killer. And in your opinion, do you think that, because you just never know how someone could be a serial killer and then they just stop. It, it, you usually think that, well, probably they just moved because I don't think you would stop unless unless they themselves got put in jail or are murdered. Well, if you look at what law enforcement was telling the press in the years after the killing stopped, they kept saying, the killer is either dead or in an institution. They're either dead or they're in an institution. And if you look at two of the main suspects, one was dead and one was in an institution. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I don't think they stopped. I think that one of them died and I think that the other one ended up in prison, but I don't think that these two people were acting alone. Yeah. And then towards the end of your podcast, you got into this child sex ring, which, yeah, there's some people have a hard time listening to uh, certain types of crime stories. And I'm generally pretty, uh, you know, I, can't, I don't really like to see crime photos or things like that, but I can pretty much listen to anything. But what it involves children and something like kidnapping or torture or a child sex ring or anything like that, it, I really have to kind of, uh, what's the word, not gloss it over, but I have to sort of suspend disbelief because I, I suspend belief rather, because I don't want to believe that something like that could happen in the world. And so I, I applaud you for covering that because I had to, as a mother yourself, even if you're not a mother, it's still just so hard to talk about. It is. Um, it, it reminds me of the, um, the documentary that was out, his name just went out of my head as I said it. Um, with the Catholics priest and the nuns and the murder. The keepers. Yes, the keepers. Yes. I watched that whole thing and I've listened to several podcasts about it and read articles and they have a Facebook page. And but it's just, you just, I guess because it's so out of the realm of something you yourself would do that you can't imagine anybody would do something like that to a child. It's just so upsetting. So for you to be able to cover it, I think probably... Uh, it says a lot about you that you were able to do that, and I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. I look at it as these kids, what they went through and what their families continue to go through is nothing. You know, what I'm going through as I cover it is nothing compared to what they've been through. Right. So I can be uncomfortable for a few days or a few weeks while I immerse myself in the research and get the story out there, because they've been dealing with this literally for decades. Mm, yes. So, you know, I'm sure that you followed the Golden State Killer case and how they were able to find him and link him through DNA evidence. And do you think that DNA evidence, the progression of it, I guess, is going to help, you know, finally and for sure say in this Oakland County uh, case, could they finally and for sure with DNA evidence, do you think ever prove for sure who did it, who or how many people did it? You know, they have DNA evidence in the case, but it's mitochondrial DNA. And that means that taking the evidence they have to like jet match mm -hmm. is not going to happen. Until the science catches up where we can extract even more information about the contributor from mitochondrial DNA, this case is going to be stuck. Oh, so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It, 
Yeah. And another thing about that particular case, because because not all the killings in that short period of time were attributed to uh, one killer or a, or a set of killers, do you think at that time there was some sort of copycat going on? You know how people can uh, jump on the bandwagon and think, well, they might they may attribute it all to one person, or this is going on, so I can get away with it easier. Sometimes you I see actually- that. I think that actually is more likely to have happened with the Atlanta child murders okay. than with the Oakland County child murders because the nine killings that we have, the outlying cases, three of them were solved. The first three in January were all solved eventually. Then we've got the Jane Allen case, and she was thrown in a river in Ohio. And then the Valerie Bishop case, and she was the only African-American victim, and she had head trauma and sexual assault and stabbing. And her her case is so different that I don't think it was a copycat. I think it was just a very ill person indulging their needs. Mm-hmm. And of those cases, there was only one little boy, right? Of the four, no, there were two boys and two, two boys. girls of the four, which I call the canon cases of the Oakland County child killer. Um, it was... Mark Stebbins, and then Jill, and then Christine Mihalik, and then Timothy King was the final victim. So the boys bookended the girls. Got it. I was just thinking about um, the first case that you talked about was the girl that was babysitting, and it turned out yes. that the guy that they ended up uh, killing himself, or they found him in the desert or something, and it just seemed so random that that guy was had had no history of anything and had been sick at home all day long. Right. That story it, to me was so – it just made no sense. Agree. It, it's so bizarre that he was homesick with the stomach flu all day, can barely get out of bed, but then he gets up, gets dressed, and stands down the street from her house smoking cigarettes and watching her before busting in with a gun, beating her and dragging her down the road to leave her in the park. I mean yeah. – and, and he'd never been in any trouble. He was an Air Force candidate. Right. This was a you know a totally normal kid. I I don't know what to make of it, and unfortunately, because the case was so old and it's resolved, um, the the file, the police file on the case was was very very thin. I think it was less than a dozen pages. Mm. So that one's just going to be a mystery. I fear. Do you when you decide to work on a case? Do you? First, probably use um, our best friend Google, and then, <laughs> and then, do you contact police departments directly or Office of Records and try to get, like you said, like thick or thin police files and go through and pour over them? Since I've started the podcast, if a case is open, I will call the department. I will ask for the detective bureau, and I will advise them that I am covering it or that I intend to cover it. And nine times out of 10, they're happy to hear from me. They're excited. Um, they may or may not be able to comment, but they're they're glad to see a case getting attention. But once in a while, they'll say, oh, you know what, please don't. And they'll have a reason for that. Either they're working on it and they don't want that attention drawn to the case as they're, they're teasing through a few new leads, or the family has asked that, that it just be let lie. And I respect that. You know, if the department says don't cover it, I... I don't cover it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I feel like uh, that's a lot of he- heavy work for you. And so I wonder at, when you when you put it away, are you really able to put it away at night and kind of put it out of your mind? 
I think so. I, I, I have some rules for doing the work where I'll only do it in certain places. I don't take it upstairs to my room. I, I try and keep it very separate. Um, again, because I think what I'm doing, especially on these old unsolved cases, it's important. So I need to treat it with respect and give the case the attention that that maybe it didn't get when it first happened. Yeah, that's great. Well, let me ask you this. So you're already gone is um, ongoing. Do you have plans to do any more of these long form podcasts, yeah, like a series? You know, I'm really enjoying working on Don't Talk to Strangers. And un- unfortunately, my father has become very ill as of January. So it has not been coming out at the pace that I'd hoped. Mm-hmm. It's been a little slower, but I, I would love to do another deep dive into a case. And I, I really, really enjoy really immersing myself in the story and getting all of the information out there. So that's that's very important to me. Although I think my next uh, long form will be on a missing person out of Michigan. Oh, okay. So you already have something planned. Well, I've been uh, a civilian volunteer with the law enforcement-run Missing in Michigan organization uh-huh. for the past several months, and seeing the work that they're doing and um, what families are dealing with when they have a missing person, it really has sort of drawn me into, I need to, to find one of those cases that I can unpack and get out there. Wow. Well, I will look forward to that. <laughs> Thank you. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. So what's uh, what's next for you? You're gonna keep doing already gone. You do do you do one a week? Already gone is biweekly. Okay. So I've actually just shifted to a first and the fifteenth release, and again that has to do with caring for my father who's not well. Um, the Don't Talk to Strangers podcast will be wrapping up over the next month or so, and then I will be. Um, just focusing on Already Gone while I put together season two of Don't Talk to Strangers. But professionally, I have a really an event coming up next month that I'm really excited about. The Missing in Michigan event is being held May 4th, and I will be speaking with the families of missing persons about how they can use podcasts to help get their case out there, oh. and get their missing loved one out there. Because podcasts, as you know, <laughs> we're in emerging media, yes. and people... If they're if they're familiar with them, they may not know how to utilize this medium for their loved one's case. That's amazing because I I do a lot of that on this podcast. I talk to podcasters like you who cover cases, and it's it's amazing how much attention a podcast can draw to a case. I mean, who would have thought? You know, I mean, right. who would have even thought three years ago when you started? Probably, you know. Yeah, I think that's amazing that you're going to do that because 
you know, you'll get a lot of uh, candidates for already gone probably. Absolutely. And, you know, my, uh, there are so many podcasts out there that tell stories in different ways and it's, there's a lot of opportunities for families and if I can help them and make their journey through finding their missing loved one a little easier, I think that's an important thing. Oh, absolutely. Well, when you're listening to podcasts, I, I now I imagine, but I'm pro- I'm usually wrong when I guess these things. I imagine you're listening to only you know comedy <laughs> to to to, 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 <laughs> to lighten your mind. So tell me what podcast you listen to when you have a chance. So my my gateway podcast was the Generation Y. And yes. they were one of the, fr- and I still listen to the generation why Aaron and Justin are wonderful and I enjoy their work. Um, I'm looking forward to the show, The Fall Line. They have a new season that's dropping very soon. And then if I'm sort of burned out on true crime, there are a couple of history podcasts that I like. And one is a short, uh, I guess it's a short form called Articles of Interest about the history of clothing. So that's what I've currently been using as a palate cleanser. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. It's funny. I have a minor in history, and but I don't really, really like to read books about history. I don't really like to see movies about history. <laughs> and I don't know why. It's, if, my, if my friends say, oh, yeah, this is about something that happened in Nazi Germany, I'm like, nope. nope yeah. I pass on that for book club. Um, but something like that, articles of interest, that sounds interesting to me because it has to do with something I like, which is clothes. Right. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And then do you, do you have any other ones? Um, I'm a big fan of History Dweebs, which is history slash comedy. It's sort of the dark side of history. And they always, always make me laugh. They, they're um, very fun to, to sort of decompress to. And The Conspirators, which is sort of true crime, sort of dark history. But the host, Nate Hale, is also from the Detroit area. Okay. So that's why. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you got to him in the first place. I just yeah. listened to um, a podcast recently, it um, and they're based out of Detroit as well. It was uh, Shattered. Yes, that's by our local NBC affiliate. Yes, and they um, and their stories were um, based around the Detroit area as yes. well. Yes, yep they they've done some really interesting uh, deep dive stuff on the Skelton brothers' disappearance. And White Boy Rick. And now apparently they're also working on the Oakland County Child Killer. Oh, I listened to the White Boy Rick one. And I did not know that story. I know it was a movie that just came out, but I mm-hmm. didn't know anything about it. They did a great job. I was, um, I, I, I listened to the whole thing, I think, in a day and a half. Yeah, it's a really fascinating story. And the movie is worth watching. It's okay. quite good. Okay, that's good to know. And they kept, you know, saying Matthew McConaughey. I was like, well, I'm in just because I like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I have a very good friend. It's my friend's husband, and he listens to podcasts, and he's always saying, give me a good history one, so I'll tell him about history dweebs. Yeah, it's it's comedic history, so it, I think, it's not uh, dry. Okay, well, I think he'll like that because he tells me that, the, you know, he'll tell me the name of the one he listens to, and he'll say, oh, it was great. I was on this four-hour road trip, and I listened to the whole time. It was about World <laughs> War One, and I'm like, that sounds, I would great. drive off the road with boredom. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just sounds like one of those, um, like World War One, World War Two, uh, black and white shows that my dad always has on. Mm-hmm. You know that you're like shows the airplanes, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so depressing and dark. But he really likes it, so I bet he would like History Dreams. I bet he would like The Conspirators too. Yeah, they're both they're both good. Very different. Um, the Conspirators is is a really beautifully done show. 
Okay. All right. Well, it sounds if it's if it's a little bit of a mystery and intrigue, I might like that one too. That's the yeah, that's the just, downfall of this job is that I find out so many good podcasts. The playlist just gets larger and larger. It really does. Yeah. And I do love Generation Y. That's the um that's the old school taking it way back. Yes. Yeah. I interviewed um Aaron early on in this podcast and he got really excited when he and I were talking about um Bigfoot. <laughs> he had a podcast to recommend about Bigfoot. <laughs> Excellent. Now, Aaron and Justin are both wonderful, and they've both been very supportive of uh, emerging podcasts, which is fantastic. You don't always see that. Yes, I agree. I agree. Now, tell people where they can find you on social media and then also where they can find out more about both of your podcasts. Well, I am. Uh, I have a Facebook for Already Gone Podcast and a Facebook for Don't Talk to Strangers. I'm on Twitter at Already Gone Pod, and Don't Talk to Strangers has a Twitter at DTTS Pod. Um, I have websites for both the shows, and I have an Instagram which is under my name, Nina Instead. But I am terrible at Instagram, so <laughs> it's there. I don't always put stuff on it, but you can check it out. And if you are local to the Detroit area and have case suggestions, I love getting suggestions because I hear about cases that I wasn't familiar with. So feel free to email me. Yeah, there's a there's a nonstop supply of cases, I think, unfortunately, as we said. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you that I really appreciate you talking to me because uh, it seems to me that you are one busy lady. And as far as the Instagram, I think you can get your teenage daughter to help you. I did. <laughs> that's, that's where I'll I have, have to, to go. Ask for more help. Yes. <laughs> and I appreciate it, Mary Payne. I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed this. It's nice to talk about, get away from, you know, all of the mayhem and, and just talk about podcasting in general. And that's terrific. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a good afternoon. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.